Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. So good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people, okay? Because there's an old song that says, When God's people humble themselves and call on Jesus. Remember that song? And they come together expecting as they pray, I just feel like something good's about to happen. And it could happen any day. So you should always be encouraged when we come together because I believe God can do something in us that's positive. There's all kinds of negative things coming at us, aren't there? But through those things, I see God doing positive stuff. We don't like the bad stuff, but I see God. So I want to just encourage you. I see God doing positive things in people in the middle of of the mess in the middle of the mess I'm one of those I've been in the middle of a mess for a month with the passing of my dad and it's a mess when you're in those places it's a hard place to be but I've seen God doing positive things even through that so let me encourage you today with those words today I want to welcome you first of all there's I see the light on that means The camera is going and we're streaming. So I want to welcome those who are watching today through streaming and say that this is The Lighting Kent. My name's Larry Knoll. And you can go to our website. They'll show that up there from time to time. You can find out more about us. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about myself or our situation here. But just encourage you to go there or our Facebook or Instagram or any of the other social media places. And you can find out a lot more about us. If you're ever in the area of Kent, Ohio, though, we're not just, I don't know, what, a quarter mile off the campus. Come and be with us. Come and be with us. I see some folks I haven't met yet over here, but I think I know who they are. And they're friends of Richard, if I'm not mistaken. Great. So it's good. Would you give them a big hand clap, a giant hand clap, and just say it's good to have you here. So we will love you when you come here. This is just going to be... A warning, you will get loved, all right? Other places, you might get ignored. Other places, you might, you know, people say, who cares? Um, You know, I've walked through an entire grocery store before, and not even the cash register person talked to me. That is not going to, you know, except to say, you know, here's your receipt, and ask me for my loyalty number, you know? But other than that, nothing happened. But here, it's just not going to be that way. People are going to recognize you and uh, love on you. And that's what I like about The Light in Kent. I'm starting a seven-week series on the Bible. I'm actually going to preach the entire Bible in seven weeks. Now, I was kind of excited about that and thought, this is going to be fantastic until at my dad's memorial service, my uncle got up and preached the entire Bible in one sermon. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, you just can't win. You just can't win. Because a lot of us know about the Bible. We know things about the Bible. We even know certain quotes out of the Bible that a lot of, you know, are kind of common knowledge quotes. People say them all the time. People that aren't even followers of Christ. Some people know a little about the Bible, enough to make them dangerous. And then there's some who know a lot, like my uncle, who knows way more than me. He's been doing this seriously a a much longer time than I have and I just want to say this about the Bible I believe the Bible for me and I believe even history will bear this out that it's the most powerful enduring exciting magnificent informative accurate work of literature on the planet it's all that to me I just began writing down those words what is the Bible to me and I was like yes it's all that but it's more than a book The Bible is so much more than a book because it's alive. I read a lot of books, and I'm done. We thin out. We read like crazy. Mary and I read a lot. And I get done with some books, and I'm like, 
That was good. And we have two stacks of books. If you want any of them, you can have them. Let us know. They've only been read once. And there's two stacks this high, I think at least two, maybe more, in the garage right now because we've got to get rid of them because we thin out the library every now and then. I've read it. Good enough. Some of them I keep because I go, I might want to go back and look at that again sometime. But the Bible is not one of those books you're going to read and then go, well, that was, that was cool. Okay, it took a long time, but it was cool. It's more than ink and paper. The Bible itself describes itself. It says it's a two-edged sword. Okay, we're going to learn about some of that. What does that mean? That sounds vicious. That sounds violent. Okay, so we're going to talk about that as the weeks go on. And I'm going to say this. The Bible is more than this, like, occasional read. It's more than an occasional read. It's a constant companion. I read more of the Bible on my Bible app, okay, on my phone or on my iPad than I do even on paper anymore. But I still like the paper version. In fact, I have a lot of different versions of the Bible, different sizes and, and different commentary Bibles. And I'm going to tell you, it's a constant companion. The Bible is ordained by God, protected by God, written by God, and it's perfected by God. People will say, hey, I find a lot of contradictions in the Bible. And I say, you go right ahead. I know this. The Bible is perfect. You say, there's nothing perfect by man. But God definitely does things perfect now man can mess things up god created a perfect planet we find in genesis what do you mean well everything was just taking care of itself nature was made to take care of itself made to reproduce itself you created man and from that point on there was sin and it wasn't man that ruined it it was sin that ruined it and when man sinned they man disobeyed god they had to leave the garden. And when they left the garden, from that point on, this world began to unravel, guys. Began to unravel. And which is why we have disease, which is why we have the different things that are a part of our lives. That People lived for 900 years back then. Why can't we live 900 years now? Well, if it wasn't for medicine, we probably, the medicines that we have today, we'd probably only live to be 50, 60 years old. Do you know that? Just because of the way things have unwound. So our world is not getting better, it's getting worse because of sin. We'll talk about that at another time. But the, I want to focus on the Word and say that the Word is perfect because it wasn't written by people. Oh, I know that there were men... There were authors, there were 40 different authors of the Bible who transcribed, who wrote. But I will tell you this, they didn't write it of their own ideas. They wrote it, they believed they were inspired by God. In other words, inspired means breathed upon. That God gave them this inspiration, put it into their minds. And I don't know about you, but in my relationship with God, I've experienced things like that, where I didn't come up with this idea. God gave me a thought. God gave me an idea. Did I hear a voice? No. Did I see something fall out of the sky? No. But I couldn't have come up with that idea. And if we pray, if we ask God for wisdom, the Bible says he will give it to us. If you need wisdom, if you need to know how to do something, we were just talking about that at my father's funeral. That that was one of the things he did. He's a handyman. He's a plumber. He's an electrician. He's a millwright. He's a mechanic. I don't know. Anything I left out? He's a welder, musician, a motorcycle dude, comedian. But one of the things he would do was when he couldn't figure something out on how to fix it, and we saw that a lot here. We have a trailer sitting out back that we all went, how will he ever take this trailer and make it into this trailer? And Dad stood there long enough, and I just figured he just, you know, had the intelligence to do that. I found out later 
that he would pray about those things. He would come up and get stumped about it, and he'd just walk away and go, God, help me figure this out. And then it was just like the things he saw, he saw differently now, and it made sense, and he went, here's how we'll do it. And that's why he could fix your car and put a microwave hood in your house and do the other things that he did, because sometimes he would run up to it. So that's how God can inspire us. He can sometimes just help us to make sense of things that don't make sense to us the first time we look at it. And that's how he inspired. He breathed into the mind, into the spirit of 40 different people from Moses, the liberator, to John, the revelator. There was inspiration going on for centuries that God was inspiring people to write down things, things that they hadn't even seen, but things that he would inspire them to write about later and we need to do our best i believe if we have a book this powerful this important we have to do our best to understand the bestseller of all time you know the bible is the bestseller of all time shouldn't we want to understand that book and then learn how to apply this book into our life what does this mean then if this is such a great thing how do i work it into my life i believe that we should turn to this book right here before we turn to google google's great or whatever search engine i use DuckDuckGo. okay i don't trust google anymore <laughs> it's tracking me i don't want to be tracked but whatever you do and you're trying to in your search for stuff what if you turn to the word of god and said, well, let's see what the Bible says first. Then we'll compare it against what we found on the Internet or we found in some textbook, okay? And what if we just prayed like my dad, Father, show me how to, and you fill in the blank. What if we just tried that? I used to know a guy, his name is Cosmo DeBartolo. I still know him. He's still alive. He lives in the Youngstown Boardman area. And on the edge of his Bible right here, he wrote in magic marker, pray first. Before you crack the Bible open, say, God, show me. Show me what you need to show me in here before I read it. Pray first. God, what should I do when fill in the blanks? What if you had a counsel like that? Better than Google. Better than an internet search. Better than a how-to book. Well, we do. We do. And I was talking to my cousin, who's also a minister. And I said, Chuck, you know, I want to talk about this with the folks at our church. Because I believe we believe in the word. We believe it's the inspired word of God. It's inerrant, meaning it doesn't have errors in it. There's things maybe I don't understand. It looks like an error. And it's funny, as time goes on, the Bible just, science doesn't disprove the Bible ever. Science keeps proving the Bible things that didn't make sense people go oh that makes sense now science is just discovering things <laughs> that's what it is it's just going hey we have the technology now we have the knowledge now we've discovered something else we just put a satellite in orbit that's a new telescope we're seeing things we never saw before don't you think that's going to change some theories that are out there of course it will because now we have the knowledge that's revealed to us. That's what the Bible does. The Bible reveals things to us. And I can read it today and then go tomorrow and read the same thing. Or maybe a year from now. And I'm in a different circumstance in my life. And God goes, hey, you remember that part? You just breezed over that a year ago. You need this today. And I read it and I go, oh. Oh, that gave me such incredible comfort. That gave me such direction. That gave me courage for this moment that I didn't see the first time I read it. And so the problem is there's 66 books. This is an entire library I'm carrying around with me all the time. How do you find it? There's how do you find there's you know tools, there's concordances that you can think, "Hey, what about if I'm scriptures on fear?" and it'll help you find that. And that's good. That's a nice tool. But wouldn't it be great to know how the Bible's organized so that you could 
find you know where to go to find stuff you know why it's in the place that it's at and that's what i want to do for seven weeks i want us to talk about what's in the word so that we can apply it we know where to get it i got tools in my garage guys that i cannot find when i need them I have a toolbox this high that my dad gave me. A craftsman tool. Red craftsman tool chest, right? The problem is I get stuff out and then I don't put them back in the right place, Don. If you go to Don's house, I think he has like labels or circles or something. And he puts it in the same place on the wall, I noticed, in your fancy garage. And he knows where it is. But I'm always in a hurry and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to just grab this and use it. And then... Yeah, whatever. Put it up here and now I'm going, right? And then the next time I need that, I'm going, what? I know I have that. So I either got to go buy another one and now I got several I can't find. Or I or I got to call Warren and say, bring your stuff over here and help me. <laughs> so we need to know where things are and why they're there and how to use them. If you've ever... If you've ever been in my dad's garage, he has something called a torque wrench. Anybody know what a torque wrench is? It's the weirdest looking thing. It looks like a turkey baster or something. I don't know. I, or a big thermometer. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. And if you don't know what it is, it's a total waste to you. You could have the thing that you need exactly, but you don't know what it looks like. And that thing, it tells you how much torque you put on when you're tightening a bolt so you don't over-tighten it or under-tighten it. You put on just the right, and this little needle as you push, it tells you how many pounds of torque. And then you're like, that's good, guys. Leave it right there. Useful tool. You probably walked by it in stores. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know how it should be used so we want to know how to use the tools that god has given us here it, it can make a difference in your life so let's take a little time but see we, we have to have some keys first of all to unlock some of these truths so in this series we're going to focus on a couple things one is how god reveals his will and desires for humankind that's you and me through each specific section of the bible all right so we can do that in seven weeks. And there's like seven genres in the Bible. There's the Pentateuch. Say Pentateuch. How many have never said that word before? So, all right, here we go. This is good. There's the historical books. There's the wisdom literature. There's the prophets. There's the gospels. There's the epistles. And there's the apocalyptic literature. Okay? So much. It's like Netflix. You go down through, and you got mystery and thriller and horror, and you name it. It's all right there. And kids. I don't know why they always put the kids below all the horror and all that. You know, I would put it up on top. The family stuff. And this is all in the Word of God. And this will provide a unique, and each one of these things are unique ways that God communicates to us ways that he communicated to mankind throughout history and see if we know what's there and why it's there and why god put it there then it helps us to understand a whole lot more about the bible because you could take parts of it use it and that's not at all what that was meant we see this in politics it's called misquoting that's exactly what that person said, but that's not what they meant by what they said, is it? It happened. They, used, they do it. You'll see commercials leading up to the election where they're going to pull quotes out of what people have said someplace or put it on Twitter or whatever, and they're going to go, see, they don't like this. And they go, that's not what I meant by that. Those are my words, but that's not what I meant. So what we want to do is get it in context. What was God actually saying? What was the deal here? So are you ready? Are you hungry for this? We don't have a lot of time today, so we're going to zip through this. What is a Pentateuch is the name of this message today. What is a Pentateuch? Okay, so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And we're going to look at the parts of, the, of what the Pentateuch. This is a part of the Bible here, okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You may want to underline this one. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I don't know if you know any people who are Jewish, but many of them have a little box right to the right sometimes of their doorway it has scripture in that little box they're writing the word of God literally on the what it says here have you ever seen the guys with the long the orthodox Jews in New York in the jewelry district there okay I've been there and sometimes they'll have a little box on their head tied around there's a scripture they're doing exactly what it says there they're literally doing what the word of God says all right so they're following these ancient scriptures literally, okay? And see, my buddy here, Warren, he, we're, we're working together on a project. And Warren works a secular job, but he feels a call into the ministry. He says, you know, so I'm like, well, to get prepared for that, one, the most important thing, you know, we went through leadership principles last year. And this year we're going through the Word of God. Together is another thing that we're doing. We're reading together. We talk about the Word of God. Our goal is we read through the entire Bible in one year, and as we go along, we talk about it. What is God saying to us through that? And we memorize. We haven't been doing this for about a month because of all that's going on. We haven't been able to be with each other. But we memorize Scripture. That means we have to, you know, we take a single Scripture and we just put it to memory. I don't know if you've done that lately. It's kind of hard. I'm not used to memorizing stuff. Are you? When's the last time you took a test? Well, we test each other every week. All right? And I don't require, neither one of us required to be like word for word, as long as it's pretty close. Okay? As long as it means the same thing and we don't end up jacking it up so bad that God wouldn't even recognize it. Okay? But what we're doing is we're trying to be obedient to the Word of God. In verse 6 it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. How do we get it? In, what is it? Heart is a muscle. So we, it, we can't be on my heart. But what these ancient scriptures were talking about, because they didn't maybe understand anatomy the same way that we do, the heart was the center of your being. And the center of your being really is your mind. The things that you know and understand, okay? I want you to put these things into your mind. I want you to remember them. In, under, in other words, why is that important? Because I look at the Bible as a love letter. It's a love letter. I have a file. Now, many of you have written nice emails to us, our family. You've sent us cards. I don't throw those away. I don't throw those away. I have a file that's about this fat. And throughout my entire life, my adult life, I have had cards and letters and emails sent to me, and I have stuffed them in there because, like I said not too long ago, on my bad days... When I feel like everything's gone wrong and I don't have a friend today and it's a, one of those times. Sometimes it's a bad week. Sometimes it's a bad month. Sometimes it's not a real great year. I can go back and say, that feels good to read that. See, and what God is saying is, I'm going to get all this. It will be put down for you so that you can read it and memorize it and remember how much I love you. You're going to need that on certain days. In fact, you're going to need that every day. It's a reminder. God loves you. That's what the Bible is. If people say the Bible is anything else, they haven't read the whole Bible. God loves you. If, you, if all you ever remembered is your dad whooped you 
That's what we called it. Some people call it being spanked, but we got whooped. If all you remember is your dad whooped you, you would just think, got a mean dad, don't you? But you see, the whoopings I got, they were never done with meanness. They were done in love. And you say, I can't understand that. Well, it's in my context. It was. It was to make sure I learned the importance of being an obedient person. Now, you can discipline your child in the way that you want to. But that's the way I was disciplined. I wasn't abused. I was whooped, okay? And there was a lot of air in there, and whether it was a paddle or a belt or a hand, and one time even a foot, okay? <laughs> Which elevated my experience, I will just tell you that, okay? <laughs> but you see, when you read the entire thing, when you read the entire context of life with my dad or my parents, you'll see it's a love letter. And yeah, there were times I had to be disciplined. There were times things I didn't like. Times they said, you can't do that. And I didn't understand it. So we need to read the Bible in the same way. So what about the Pentateuch? I got to get to this. All right, what about the Pentateuch? The literal translation, Penta, what does that mean, anybody? Five, right? So Penta is like Pentagon. And then books, Penta books, all right? which is from the word tukos. So pentatukos or pentatuk. And in the Hebrew, it's Torah. So that's all pentatuk means. It's five books. Why don't we just say that? I don't know. Some, somebody came up with this, I'm sure. that was, And it makes you sound smart when you say, what about the pentatuk? And people go, I have no idea. Is that a new car? Is that a new electric car? The first five books of the Bible are what the Pentateuch is. Anybody can know what the first five books are? Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. Wow, you guys are good. You should just do this and pat yourself on the back, okay? And all these books contain the revelation of God, the story of creation, the fall of mankind, redemption, the giving of the law, the covenant made between God and the children of Israel. That's what's contained in the first five books. And each book has its own purpose. And you'll see that. And so this section gives us a way to understand the origins of the Judeo-Christian faith that you've probably heard much about. And it also gives us like this historical content to better understand the New Testament. So the first five books of the Bible is the Pentateuch. It sets the tone. It sets the theme. It shows there's continuity to the Bible. It's not just this random collection, but there's continuity to it. And just like any other story, the beginning of the story is important to understand the re what sets up uh, the base for the rest of the story. I like, wa I like watching series on TV, you know, on TV. And you notice, I don't get to watch, sit for a long time and do what's called binge watching, even though we're, this is called binge reading the Bible. I don't get to do, you know, binge watching very often. So what's nice is I watch an episode of, you know, Obi-Wan. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to watch another episode. I forgot. The, what I already watched. So they have this thing called the recap. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like fast forward. It's like, you remember this part? And I go, oh yeah, that's right. Now I'm ready. And you see, the first five books of the Bible are like that. It's saying, hey, you need to know this so that you know what the rest of the story is about. So, you know, here's a couple books. Now, how many remember having science textbooks? You ever remember having science textbooks? Okay. I don't have any science textbooks. So let's just let this represent a science textbook. This reminds me of an old science textbook that I had. All right. So what you have to have, let's say, if you're going to go into a scientific field, is a textbook 
that gives you the basic ideas, the formulas, and the information that's needed to move on forward in learning the specifics of what you're there to learn. Whether it's, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a scientist, a computer person, whatever it is, we have to have this book to start off with. Or one of these books over here. We hate those classes because that's not the fun part. It's like, oh, I have to take 101. <sighs> That's hard to do. But see, there's no way to advance in your education in whatever you're going to be, whether it's a doctor or a researcher or whatever it is, without understanding the basics. The basics are needed. And how would you feel if we, if we enrolled in, in a nursing program, let's say here at Kent State University, or an animal science major, maybe somewhere, without having the foundational books first. You have to understand the basics. And when it comes to stories, including the Bible, the same is true. What comes in the beginning is necessary to understand anything that happens later. We have to understand the Pentateuch in order to move forward. So here's the two important parts of the Pentateuch. The great Shema. Say Shema. How many have never said that before, unless you were cussing? All right. Holy Shema. Right? I've heard that before. The Shema. One, the Shema. What is the great Shema? It's a foundational thing, okay? It's a foundational thing in the Pentateuch. And it's one particular passage that kind of like covers the entire five books found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We read it already. It sets the tone for God's expectations for his people. We find out through this that the circumstances that we see played out are due to his people either obeying or disobeying his commands. So he says in the Shema, you need to obey. You need to make these things, you internalize them, know what they are, and obey them. It's good for you to do that. How many have ever heard of the Decalogue? How many have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay, that's the Decalogue. The Decalogue is the Ten Commandments. Deca meaning ten, logos, or log, okay, logos, or words. The ten words is what this really means the ten words so you find this in deuteronomy 5 6 through 21 what are the ten words here it is i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above on the earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. That's the second word, by the way. When somebody, you know, when God says, I need to have a word with you, be ready. Might be more than just like one word. So when we're saying word, it doesn't mean a literal word. It means a word. Like, I got a word for you, okay? Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Number four, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day, Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you or your son or your daughter or your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there. With, do slaves get a day off? No. They work every day. He's reminding them. Remember, you used to have to work every day and you didn't want to. I'm giving you a day off, all, all you, because you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally need a day off. And just spend that day in my presence and I'll rejuvenate you. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day, because it's for your own good. Number five, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and may go, and it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number, what am I on? Eight. You shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And number ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or his land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now here's an interesting thing. The laws of our land and most lands on this planet, you'll find most of those things right in the law books. That law right there is from God. And it's good stuff. Isn't it kind of nice that we have a law that says don't kill somebody? Otherwise, people would just go, you stole my parking space. It's okay. Stole the parking space. Okay. It's morally wrong is what he's saying. These are the moral code of our land, of our planet, so to speak. These commandments are the great principles, however, of a covenant relationship with God. If you're going to honor me, if you're going to be my children, this is how I want you to live. I think we have a great God who had... If you're a mother or father, don't you feel like you should be honored of all that you've done for your children? And children, don't you feel like you should honor your father and mother, even if it wasn't perfect, if it wasn't great? But shouldn't we honor them? They brought us into this world and God has a purpose for us. We could just go through each one of these things and say, this is actually really good stuff. People go, oh, it's just a bunch of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. Well, there's a thou shalt not. It says, don't walk out into the traffic in New York City or you're going to become a pancake. Is that a bad thou shalt not? That's a good thou shalt not. That's called common sense. And yet people don't have it. So God is saying, listen, this will not only honor me, but it's going to be good for you and people you're in relationship with. And so he said, for us to be in relationship, covenant relationship, you need to do your best to obey these things. And see, this shows the character and nature of God, who he is. Because in a covenant, it works both ways, doesn't it? You do for me, and I do for you. And so this is saying, Israel, this is your responsibility to me. This is what we call covenant text. So back to the great Shema. The great Shema comes after the Decalogue. The Decalogue, which is the Ten Commandments. Okay, we can just go home now. You learned that, okay? And the great Shema helps us understand the heart of God. This command, it's central to what he wants for his people throughout all time. And Jesus actually gave the same command, the Shema. He gave it in Matthew 12, in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. He says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And listen, this, for Christians, we do, we like to look at verse 30. We don't like to deal with 31 because it's not always easy to love your neighbor. Your neighbor can be the person you work with, you live next to, the person in your family, the person that's on the opposite side of the political aisle, whatever it is. Christians, this is Jesus quoting the Shema here. Not just love God. To love God, we have to love each other. In other words, Jesus is telling the scribes that the greatest commandment is the Shema, the great Shema, as well as the command to love your neighbor as yourself. So through Moses, God commanded these commands to be taught diligently to your children in the home. What does he say in verse 7? 
impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie see i love this i one of my great teaching moments with my kids would be in the car and you're driving down the road and your kids will ask you the greatest questions out of the blue sometimes or they'll see how you react to somebody that cuts you off in traffic or you know tells you that you're number one and all that kind of stuff your kids see that and they ask questions and it's a great time to impress upon them the things of god to either show them in action one of the things i love about one of our sons michael is he drives up to he'll come up to an intersection and people will be needing money they'll be asking for money you know and a lot of us just go get a job but michael has a different heart michael's got cash he'll pull it out and he'll talk to him a minute sometimes he's even gotten out of his car to go talk to him or he's gone and bought them food and brought it back hasn't he you see what is he saying to those three boys he's saying this is the heart of god this what your daddy's doing is the heart of god verses eight through nine this shows us that god's revelation should always be central to family structure so it should be natural for us to be talking about this in the home and i've told you this before i would go to movies with my kids or watch it on television and i would go boy you know that reminds me of a principle about god that reminds me of a story in the bible and they'd be like oh dad their eyes would roll can't we just not talk about god sometime you know but you can't help it when he's the center of your life you see god in everything Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames. It reminds me, of, anybody ever seen that movie, The Man Who Invented Christmas? It's about Charles Dickens. Great movie. I really love this movie. And in this movie, the guy who's playing Charles Dickens, he becomes so, he'd had some failures in things that he'd written. And here he is coming off these failures, but somehow he gets inspired about this thing the christmas carol we've heard it. it's called scrooge right and he gets so inspired he becomes obsessed with this story and if you watch the movie it's really cool how they they animate this with their special effects and stuff but i mean he is seeing the characters he's conversing with the characters in his room i mean this man is obsessed and we all know that's one of the greatest stories, isn't it? Christmas Carol, story of a man's life who has changed. This is what God wants us to do. Do you have anything in your life that consumes you like this? That it's day and night, night and day, the only thing you can talk about? See, this is what God had in mind for the Israelites. I want you to become consumed with me. I want you to talk about me. I want you to think about me, my love. And he did things to show his love. He did things in the past and in the present for them so that they could have memorials to go back and say, you see these pile of stones? This is when God delivered us from our trouble here. That's and they would name piles of stones. They called those memorials. And you see, what they were supposed to do is when their children were with them and they're going down the road, they'd say, Dad, what's that pile of stones for? Let me tell you a story about God and His love. Isn't that cool? So consumed in His love, continually, when we wake up, thank you, God. This is a great day. They were to love God wholeheartedly in order to know him intimately. See, this is what the Pentateuch is all about. Verses 4 through 5 said here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. Give him everything. See, this is his, what his own identity is. This is what he is for you. This is what he is for me. He doesn't hold back. 
And he doesn't want us to hold back. Everything that he is, every resource that he has, I have found is available to me. And he does not hold back. Verses 6 through 9, remember these commandments. Put them on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down. When you get up. What's the last thing you're watching at night? The last thing you're listening to at night. What's the first thing you put on in the morning? Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So why did God say all this? He desired that his law remain close to his people. On their minds, on their hands. In other words, the actions the way that you act, the things that you do should be God things, the way that he would do it. Why? Why? So that you would be grateful, it says. If we're passionate for God and the things of God, what will happen is you will be grateful to God. You will be a grateful person. Grateful people are not selfish. Grateful people are so grateful for what they have, they're willing to share it with other people. They know that they have God to thank for the things that they have and what they are. So the question is, what consumes our everyday life? What consumes our actions? What consumes our conversations? Is God really the center of your life? Because He can be. It's not hard. And it's really what God desires. Is he welcome in your conversations? Or are there some conversations God's not welcome? I just like, I like to have God show up in my conversations. It's just interesting to watch people's reactions. Some people are like short-circuited. And other people, I just see something come over them. And they're, they're like eager to hear more. I don't mean you have to be obnoxious. I don't mean you have to force anything on anybody. We're not talking about that. But in natural conversation, shouldn't the love of my life be in, the, in a lot of those conversations? Are we reading? Are we memorizing? Are we studying and understanding the Word of God? I'm just asking those questions. Maybe you can ask those of yourself. I ask that of myself. Because if we're not doing that and we call ourselves people of God, then it might be something we need to look at and straighten that part, make an adjustment in our life. Sometimes we feel far from God. Sometimes troubles make us feel like God isn't listening. Well, He is listening and He's also talking everybody through this. He will talk to you through his word. It's amazing. So if this is the last place you look, you're going to miss opportunities to hear from God. If this is the first place you look, in fact, if it's a consistent place you go, you will hear from God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, your word says the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the souls. It doesn't restrict us. It doesn't make us feel bad it doesn't condemn us the law of the lord refreshes the soul how so is when we are obedient to your word when we immerse ourselves in your word in you our soul is refreshed the very thing the law which can condemn if we aren't obedient can actually refresh us the statutes of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. Hmm. Lord, help us to learn your word, accept your word, and trust your word. Help us to live by your word. Your word says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. That's what, you, that's what your word says. So help us, God, to trust your word. Help us to stay on the right path. We can get off course. We can get into a place 
that we have no business being and now we're in trouble and you will be there to rescue us you will be there to help us through that i know that but how much more do you want us to live according to your word and live in obedience and not cause ourselves unnecessary troubles in our life so thank you lord i personally receive your word as the most important thing in my life where you will speak to me i receive that lord i pray that others listening today those who might be watching through youtube or facebook those who are in this place today lord that we would all be receptive of your word if not receptive at least curious let me try it let me see how this works we ask this now in the wonderful name of jesus our savior our king Amen. Amen. So good to have each and every one of you here today. And I know I'm not as good as Kelsey was last week. And if you missed hearing Kelsey speak about transparency with God, first time she ever spoke, she was awesome. So it's up on our Facebook. It's up on our YouTube channel. And I encourage you to go and check it out wonderful uh, message that she gave first time ever I said well now you messed up you're gonna gonna have to speak again and again and again you know and um, she just uh, you know be in prayer for her and Alex and their family because they're not able to be here today because of a death in their family so I want to thank you though for joining us if you were uh, if you're here through our streaming channel and uh, if you wouldn't mind doing us a little favor and follow follow us like our like this video subscribe to our content make a comment anything it really helps us a lot we'd like to hear from you on facebook instagram on our website delightinkent.com also we have podcasts out there on itunes and spotify and other places so it's called the prism effect with larry noel and that's me so next week we're going to be talking about stage two of this the character of the creator so we're going to go to stage two which we're going to be talking about the historical books so we laid the groundwork but we're going to go on to the historical books and what they mean i'm going to tell you guys when we get into that it's all about god's faithfulness to us that he never will leave us never forsake us he's there and he's powerful and what he can do for us in our life is amazing and and he loves us so um if we're obedient to him he's there for us okay he's there for us thank you again for joining god bless you let's give everybody a hand to uh watch today appreciate that thank you for joining us today The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.